This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh, <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. Hello, one and all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest Wolves pre-match episode. Come on, you gooners! <laughs> We've got probably the biggest football fan in the UK at the moment, one of the biggest Arsenal fans in London. I've got Gary Pell with me from the Libertines, DJ, producer, humanitarian, composer, father, just all-round good guy. How's it going, Gary? And most importantly... Gooner! <laughs> He's an absolute gooner, folks. I, I was surprised gooner! how serious this guy is, a gooner. gooner. He's got his gooner top there. G-Dog 2-7 on the back. It's an absolute pleasure to get one quarter of what I class as the greatest UK rock and roll band in history. Some people might say other bands, as far as I'm concerned. I might say other bands. <laughs> I'm, I'm disagreeing with that. You, you can be modest all you like, Gary, but as far as I'm concerned, no, no one holds a candle to my boys, the Libertines. How are you? Where are you currently? What have you had for tea tonight? And how are you just in general? I haven't had tea yet. Um, I kind of got a, got my kids ready for school. Um, this is my studio. So I come down and I just, go to, I just go to work and I do everything from here. So I spend the majority of my day in my studio and that's doing my record label stuff that's doing whatever else we're printing off stuff for my missus blah 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 i'm literally here all day long if you look behind me it's a good thing that's my drinks cabinet so i just keep all my drinks down there so i i literally live um here i'm here i'm i'm here for like 18 hours a day and then i'll sleep for the rest i don't i don't venture in, into the rest of the house i just stay here i literally don't see anybody all i need is my studio equipment and my booze and work and I'm happy. What's what's in that glass tonight? We had a bit of a conversation off air. I think it's a whiskey. You're still a Jack Daniels fan? I was a Jack Daniels fan. I was a Jack Daniels fan when I when I DJed a lot because it was the one time when I used to get really really nervous because playing playing with the libs and playing with playing playing drums basically, um, you have your armor, which is your drum kit, directly in front of you, and then you have extra armor of the rest of the guys in the band directly in front of you. So it's kind of like you, you, you feel like you have a little bit of a safety net, whereas when you DJ, it's pretty much with, with me for the majority. It's me in front of people playing music that, generally speaking, some of it they don't want to hear. <laughs> some of it they really want to hear. I kind of, I my, my, my sets are kind of block party sets. I kind of like, because I, I, I really do like to DJ. I like to scratch it up and put mixes together and all that type of nonsense. I like to do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to be into what you do. Whereas when you come to see a Libertine show or a, or a special show or a New York doll show or whatever, you're into that. You're totally into it. So when you're DJing, it's about winning people over. So I was really, really, I, I still am to this day. I'm still very, very nervous about every time I go and DJ. So I kind of, not so much now, but I used to I used to drink a lot of whiskey when I DJed. I'd go through a, through a DJ set. I'd just, they'd, they'd just give me a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of Jack Daniels, and I'd knock a bottle of Jack Daniels back while I'm DJing. Whether it was an hour set, a two-hour set, if it's a two-hour set, it'd be more than that. If it's an hour set, I'll just knock back a, 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 just one bottle of a Jack Daniels. Just so I can get through the set, just so I don't have to think about it, and I don't have to worry about it, because it's a, it's a nerve-wracking thing putting yourself on the line like that to people's kind of people's opinions, people's criticisms, and you know, you know, regardless of which, I'm I'm you know I I can I consider myself, um, I guess, I consider myself a musician, but at best, I'm just an entertainer. That's that's you know, if if, if you disagree with the fact that you you if you, if you disagree with the fact that I think I'm an, I'm a musician. And you can't disagree with the fact that I my job is to entertain, so I'm an entertainer. And it read sometimes it's really, really difficult to actually think about yourself as an entertainer, knowing full well that you're gonna receive criticism 
criticism, criticism from, from people watching you do what you do. So I just used to knock back a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels a night. One bad now, song in a set list, Gary, and your, your whole credibility is gone, isn't I've it? it? I've done it so many times. I remember one, I remember one time I did it. I was, I, it, was go, it was going so, so well. And then I think I was in, um, I think I was in Newcastle. And the promoters, they kind of like came up and they, they because usually I just kind of like make sure that it's just me on the stage, so so I can actually get used to the equipment that's in front of me. Because for the majority of the time, it's not my equipment, so I want to get used to all of the equipment that's in front of me, so I can do my thing, scratch and put the mixes together, and 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 and, and put all my whatever nonsense together. Um, and it was going really, it was going really, really well. And the producers, they were and the promoters, sorry, they were all at the side of the stage and they were giving thumbs up and stuff. And they were like, Yeah, this is really, really cool. This is awesome. And I was knocking back my Jack Daniels as I as would. And then they all came onto the stage and I just kind of like just kind of like eased into it a little bit and then just kind of pressed play and just kind of stood there having a little bit of a chat. I was like, I was feeling really, really comfortable. And then this track came into my mind. I think it was by um Le Rhythm Digital or something, but so a track that literally nobody knows. And I was like, I gotta play this track because this track is awesome. I love this track. I pressed play and I turned around and started talking. And the the promoters they didn't notice straight away, but like within a few minutes, the dance floor had completely emptied, apart from one drunk girl who was just kind of like stood there, just 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 completely a comatose, just floating around the stage. And I was like, oh my god, what the hell have I done? Had to try to win everybody back again. It was kind of embarrassing. Before we um, launch into how you came about joining the Libertines and, and whatnot, 20 years ago yesterday, Arsenal did an absolute demolition job on Wolves, beating Wolves 4-1 at Molyneux. Quick uh, couple uh, of goals here. After eight minutes. And it was sublimely taken by the Dutchman. And it's Colin Cameron to take. With depth, Craddock. Goal! Ghanaian! Absolute demolition by Arsenal that day, but for the Wolves fans watching tonight, great moment for VL Ghanaian scoring past Jens Lehmann. 20 years ago, Gary, Libertines were just about to sort of embark on making the money, releasing of up the bracket not long after the self-titled Libertines album. What's your sort of memories from back then and how did it sort of coincide with your memories of what supporting Arsenal back then? Um, actually, that's a, that's, that, that actually is an amazing question because at that point in time, I was living in Angel in Islington, right down Upper Street. If you, if you, go, if you literally walk 20 minutes down Upper Street, then make a left. Um, you'll kind of you'll, it'll take you around about at that point in time to the old to to Highbury, and that's where you said go and watch Arsenal play at Highbury. We we were we were not yet in the Emirates Stadium. The Emirates Stadium was just a, a glimmer in Arsene Wenger's dreams. Um, but um, but no, I just kind of, I kind of remember the fact that everything that was ha happening at that point in time was was just happening. There was no real plan. Like when I when I joined the band when I, when I met Pete and Carl I we um, when we initially started playing we were just a three piece it was just me Pete and Carl John was in the band but he left the band to um, do his A levels it's so me and Pete and Carl we were in the studio and we're in 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 a plethora of studios starting at the Islington Arts Factory um, which which again is just around the corner from the Arsenal and the first thing that we played together was Horror Show and they and and Horror Show at that point in time was a completely different track. And they just allowed me to kind of like rearrange and do whatever I wanted with it. And it was just, and, and it was at that point in time that, that we kind of like found something that was kind of simpatico. Prior to that, we were, we, we used to hang out at this pub called Filthy McNastis. And, and it was at that point in time that when we actually realized there was some, there was kind of like kinetic energy between us because we kind of liked the same things. We liked the same music. We had the same kind of like historical approach to, to life. Like, you know, what. Uh, they were they were outsiders. I'm that I'm still kind of an outsider. I don't really hang out with that many people per se. I I I, I just don't because I don't know why. To be honest, I'm I I I guess I'm I'm kind of one of those geeks that always kind of like um, I'd rather sit down with a book, read some absolute nonsense, or 
create some music, which is a nightmare for my family because, you know, it can be like two, three o'clock in the morning. And if I've got an idea, then I've got to get up and I've got to start doing some stuff. It's just kind of, it's just, it's a constant, it's a, it's a constant drive of creativity within the house. So it's, 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 it's a, it's a little, it's a little bit kind of crazy. I was actually supposed to go to the Brits party tonight and um, my manager um, for at various artists, Dave Bianchi, um, he sent us a message on Friday saying, well, you just come to the Brits party. You never go. And I never go because I'm not really particularly that interested. But then I thought, you know, why don't I just take my message? We'll just go. It might, it might be kind of fun. But she's just started a new job. And she's just like, I just really just, I just don't have the time. She's just, she's killing herself to get this job done. And it's an amazing job. She's working for Alexander McQueen. And she's just, she's just, she's just absolutely trying her best to kind of make sure that she doesn't drop any balls whatsoever. And as soon as she said no, I was just like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to hang out with people who already have other people to hang out with. I'm not just going to stand there. I'm not going to stand there and hope for people to want to come and talk to me. I'm just going to stay at home, do some cooking. And go back to my studio and write some crappy weird ass music like like i normally do play some guitar play some piano play some drums i'm just going to do that because that's kind of like that that is my my level of comfortability and i'm, I'm glad that you've chosen um, a night in with the fan cast over a night at the brits i mean for me it's an o'brainer well done on that <laughs> um, as i mentioned just 20 years ago Arsenal and the libertines were about to sort of storm the uk Maybe not so much in Europe. You haven't really cracked that for for a good few years now. Uh, I did see an Instagram post on Carl Barat's Instagram the other day, uh, signed an autograph from Arsene Wenger saying, I wish your three quarters of the band uh, great success and thank you for your support. I mean, wh what does Arsene Wenger sort of mean to you as a, an Arsenal supporter? Were you glad I, that he left in the end, or did he overstay his welcome? Or He, he, he never overstayed his welcome because I am... Um, I, I, I got told from a source that I that I believe to be um, quite kind of like um, succinct um, that he would have left earlier in his in in his tenure as a manager, but there just wasn't anybody to take over. There just there just wasn't anybody to take over, and it, without him stirring up everything that was Arsenal at that point in time. I mean, we have to also kind of remember that with the squad that he had without buying any premier players, he managed to keep Arsenal within the top four for donkey's years. He did, so how he did that, I've got no idea. Our Arsenal fans, for me, are some of the, some of, uh, some of the most loyal to a fault fans in the entire world. And they really, I was, um, I was Instagramming one this morning about um, the use of um, Nicolas Pepe as a, as a false nine. And this dude was just like, well, he's not a false nine. He's just not. What happens if what happens if he fails? And I'm like, you're not a coach. You're not a manager. And it's not just about like being able to pick up a phone or play um, FIFA 22 or whatever. It's not about that. You're dealing with really young personalities, young men who've been told, young men and women now who've been told that they're amazing. They're amazing all of the time. And now you have to go and enforce an ideology in them when they already have one enforced on them that is more individually orientated. And that's every manager within the Premier League that we're talking about right now. They're, you know, it's, it, it's not as simple as can you, can you get the best out of the player? It's about can you enforce an ideology in that player that they will be able to, to stick with and grow as a player and an individual throughout their tenure within the club. That's why I like the likes of Pep Guardiola. He's absolutely freaking amazing. What he's been able to do over these years, keep that that level of consistency, not dropping off at all, not having players go, yeah, we're amazing, we've done it. Yeah, we don't need to work as hard now because we're absolutely amazing. He's not allowed that to happen. That is the problem. That, that, happened. that is the problem. That is what happened with George Graham. George Graham was, wasn't able to keep that level of consistency because he... what. Arsene Wenger um, inhabit what what he took over from was the majority of George Graham's team. He didn't create something completely new. He just took George Graham's team and added a few little pieces to the pod. That's all he did. That's what's wrong with today's game now, Gary. There's too many people on YouTube doing football podcasts who think they know football. <laughs> 
that's what that's the biggest problem in the world right now, Gary. All these YouTube, all these YouTube and TikTok football people. <laughs> but it all started. It all started with Arsenal. It all started with Arsenal, and I think the Arsenal um, kind of like video, whatever it's called. I think I think it's become really, really toxic. It's 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 a little bit too toxic. And and if you look at it from the point of view of the in the environment in its entirety, um, why would you want to come? And become involved in a toxic environment. Yeah, I think Arsenal Football Club themselves sort of. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure whether there was sort of legal uh, proceedings brought against that channel because I think Arsenal was saying. I think they made them change their name from Arsenal Fan TV to yeah, AFTV yeah. because they were saying it was bringing too much sort of negativity towards the club. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, like, so what sort of memories going back to those eras? I mean, I know obviously. Been in the Libertines in the early noughties, I imagine he's still a bit of a blur to you. But what sort of Arsenal memories stand out for you? Uh, what sort of Arsenal memories stand out for me? Good, blimey. Have you had any sort of Arsenal players come to any of your gigs in the past? Not to my knowledge. I mean, we've we have had um, what's his name, Crouchy. Crouchy turned up to a, a game when he was playing for Liverpool, and he did the robot in 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 in, the, in you know amongst the crowd in the pit. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he wasn't in the pit. He was like he didn't even need to be in the pit. He was right at the back, and you could we everybody could see him because he was so big. And he and he, when we were playing, and he did the robot. And we've seen him before beforehand at the Enemy Awards and stuff. And he's 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 he's, he's a nice geezer. He's, he's he's a pretty good guy. Um, regarding oh one of my one of my favorite um I'm just kind of like going on a slight tangent my eldest son wolf was really ill a few years ago he got um, septicemia nearly died and i and arsene wenger um sent a fully signed um kind of like um set of um, photos of the whole team and sent a little letter as well as telling wolf to get better which was amazing it's the little things you remember isn't it it's the little things it's the little things and it's not it's not just about the football i mean that's not that's not why everybody gets involved in, in football that's not that's not why you're here it's about the fact that it creates community but unfortunately we live in we're living in a world right now where community is kind of like fragmented and because community is fragmented that then has an adverse effect on football because we all spend more time in our community than we do in the football community the football community happens say for instance if we're just talking about a saturday it's it's a few hours on a saturday it's a few is a few hours on a saturday where you just get to hang out with your mates and just like kind of like be involved in that community for a period of time you go to the pub before the game you go to the game you go to the pub after the game and you just with your mates and it's just that community but that community now because of the outside world because of the macro world has become has become slightly kind of like disenfranchised, which is a damn shame. Really, you talk about um, just the little things there. Everyone's not got enough time on their hands now, regardless of what sort of state, work, uh, personal life they're living. So, for someone like Arsene Wenger, who probably has a million letters from fans all across the world, or you know, the, the club yeah. again, one billion tweets asking for autographs. Can we do this? Can we do that? For him to take his time out like that's a, a nice thing. You originally, correct me if I'm wrong, are from the, the Midlands originally. And I, I took it upon myself to to suggest to you earlier that you named your son Wolf because you had a soft spot for Wolves. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, Gary. That's right. You're completely right. You were 100% right. No, I, I, I didn't because of Wolves. But um, but my family, my, my mum and dad still live in Brum. So on the other occasion, I find myself back in um, Hansworth Wood, which is only what? 12 15 miles away from from wolverhampton i remember one of one of the last times i went to wolverhampton i went to see ben harper play at the civic hall other than like being within the liberties i mean i'm just just on about just going for the day and just hanging out and wolverhampton's a great place it, it's it's beautiful like there's there's the kind of what is it um is it like the like there's like a beaches area where there's loads of bars and stuff and and it's it's I can't remember what it, I can't remember exactly what it's called but it's 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 kind of cool. I think it's uh, definitely been well obviously since uh, COVID's taken place it's been a, it's definitely been a while since you've been back to Wolverhampton the the Paris of the Midlands as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we can get you and the band back there uh, at the new Civic whenever that reopens. I know you played uh, with the Dirty Pretty Things at the Wolfram, which. For me, still the best gig I've ever been to in my life. Any memories of that night? 
I re I remember that because my dad, it was his birthday one of the nights there. And my dad came out on stage and the whole audience sang happy birthday to my dad. Really loud and resounding. And the only time, the only ever time I've heard uh, an audience sing that loudly about anything was when we play the Barrowlands in Glasgow. And because that, you know, I, I, that is kind of, that, that, that audience at the Barrowlands is just, it's just another level. But Wolverhampton gave them an absolutely amazing good run for their money. My dad was kind of like really embarrassed. I loved it. I loved the fact that my dad felt all sheepish and was like, what the hell am I doing here? It was, it was, it was pretty cool. And I was very much a testament to um, the Wolverhampton audience. It's quite a compliment to co compare the, the Wolverhampton um, sort of gig scene to Glasgow because that, that Glasgow bunch are they're a rowdy bunch, aren't they? Um, I think that Dirty Pretty Things uh, gig at the Wolfram was the week where the album was released. And I think I ended up on stage that night hiding behind the speakers for about half an hour of that gig. <laughs> and then as soon as I actually jumped on the stage, you like decided to stage dive off. <laughs> well, one of the things that I really remember about that gig as well, I think we played two nights there, maybe one night, I can't remember. Um, but afterwards, we, we went, we actually, we, we were driving up to Glasgow straight afterwards, actually, to go to the Barrowlands, um, funnily enough. And, but Carl and Dids, they, they got picked up in cars and they got driven down to London to do um, Soccer AM which I found, I was really, really annoyed. Well, I wasn't really, really annoyed. It was, it was kind of cool. It was, it was kind of cool. But Carl, Carl, Carl's an Arsenal fan, but literally knows nothing about Arsenal. Doesn't know anything about Arsenal. He just, you know, he supports them because they're from his hoodie. They're, they're, from, they're from our area. They're from our ends. And that's who we support because it's, a, it's, you know, it's not just about the football. It's about the community. I mailed I mailed some 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 bloke this morning who was complaining about the decisions that um, Arteta was making, and I just said, "Well, what are you going to do? You're not a manager, and you know what? If Arsenal get demoted down to the second tier football, I'm still going to be a fan because this is this is my hometown. This is this this is my team from here, and I support my team from here." This is this is, and it's and it's more about the community and the fact that when you go to a game, it is really kind of like respective of the entire community, and that's one of the reasons why I I love supporting Arsenal because it you look you you look out into in, in into the Emirates now. I wish it was a high, I wish it was Highbury, but you look out into the into the Emirates now, and it looks like the community. It looks like the entire community. You see. Everybody there, all shades of color or whatever. That's what you see there. That is Arsenal. I think the only other team that I see that might be like that would be um, Crystal Palace. I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, they, they have got a big community spirit, Crystal Palace. Um, I haven't seen anything else like it. And for me, it's about it is it, it is it is about the it is about that that community spirit, that community coming together. We shouldn't have community coming together at Christmas and New Year's. It should be all year round. Black History Month is in a month. It's 12 months of a year. We should have community spirit 12 months of the year. Correct. There's a bit of an unwritten saying that footballers want to be musicians and musicians want to be footballers. Any sort of sentiment with that with you? I'd be great. No, I'd suck. Funny thing is that my son, my, both my boys, this is my, both my boys before um, COVID, um, they got scouted by Tottenham. <laughs> how, would, how would that have felt for you, Gary? Uh, they, were, they were there. They, they they were there. I had to sign the contracts, and they were at Tottenham. It's 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 all about their uh, their future. It's isn't what it? they wanted. It was the, it's what they wanted. They, were they, they can join like, Arsenal when they when they make it big, can't they? They can do all the <laughs> do all the do all the academy work and then join Arsenal afterwards, like Look, uh, Harry Kane did the opposite way. Yeah, exactly. Now, luckily enough, COVID happened. Then, then they just, then they took up skateboarding, and now they've just gone back to the local teams, and they're just like, my eldest son kind of summed it up because when I was taking him to his local team, which which who had, since he was eight years old, then won the Islington and Camden League every year. They're just ridiculously good. They're just awesome. And then his school team, and then he was at Tottenham as well. So he was doing football virtually every day of the week. He's only just turned twelve. And this was before COVID. So between the ages of eight and 10 years old, he was playing football 
every day of the week, basically. And it got to the point where he just kind of like, he just became so disenfranchised with playing football that he just, he literally said, um, I don't want football to be my career. And I was like, you're 10 years old. Oh, okay. I see where you're coming from. Okay. So we, so we switched we, off we, a 10 year old. I, yeah. I was just playing the Super Nintendo around that age. Yeah. We, I was just like, you know something, if you don't want to do it, then just stop doing it. It's completely fine. It's completely fine. Is there anyone in the football world that you've come across that you've not been sort of starstruck but felt privileged to to me? There's a picture here with with the Libertines and Eric Cantona. I mean, what was that for? Was it Hope for Palestine gig? That was for that. Yeah, that was for Hope for Hope for Palestine. But if you're looking, um, if you look in um, in in Cantona's eyes, I mean, I think you will find that he's the one that's a little bit more starstruck. I, I don't blame him. I mean, Eric <laughs> I was, I was so nineties. I, I was only, I was only kidding. He, he is amazing. I mean, the, the funny thing was, it's not even funny. Um, for that gig, he came out on stage and recited a poem, and he walked out on stage, and obviously he, he received kind of like the applause of the audience and everybody, everybody screaming Cantona, 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 and he literally just put his hands out, and the crowd went silent, just went definitely silent nobody said a word and then he and then he recited his poem and then he literally just walked off the stage and everybody was like you could see you could feel it was the pent-up kind of like emotion in everybody for the fact that this icon was there and he he wasn't just there it was the delivery of this of this of this beautiful poem I can't remember. What, I can't remember what it was about because I spent most of my time literally looking like this, <laughs> as did everybody, as did everybody, and it was just such a beautiful moment. And then to meet him afterwards was just like it was. It was pretty. It was. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. The one was person he, was he aware of much of the the music? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he knew, yeah he knew who we were. I think maybe maybe he'd done a little bit of research beforehand. Excuse me, maybe done a little bit of research, but he knew who we were, and he was he was more than happy to kind of like come say hi. We we hung out for a, a good few minutes, considering. I mean, he didn't just come in and say hi and win them, then take a photograph. He stayed in the dressing room. We all hung out. We had a we had a good old chat. Peter, um, being Peter, being the football mogul, um really kind of like took the make and really tried try to kind of like get in there and get as much information out of him as possible, get as much um, knowledge regarding how much he remembered from what he did about particular games. Um, and oh, and obviously, you know, the, the reason why Arsene Wenger said three quarters of the Libertines is because Peter is a Queen's Park Rangers fan. Yeah, someone has to be down the Gary. Someone has to be. But he got, he he's the one that actually got that signature. I mean, it's, it's it's nice for him to uh, to yeah. do that. Isn't it? Obviously, Arsene Wenger is a, a legend within the football. You mentioned Peter Doherty there, and we uh, we mentioned Carl earlier. I found some pictures of a Soccer Six event featuring these two. Quite old pictures there. Yeah, Carl in his Arsenal top and Pete in a, some sort of QPR themed uh, Soccer Six shirt. Why is there no pictures of you playing football anywhere, Gary? I wasn't invited to play. Unreal. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put it out there exactly like it is. Was it invited? <laughs> what? What? Where? What, what was your position when you played, Gary? Compared to those two, um, I'd be a holding midfield fielder. Yeah, like a Gilberto Silva, Patrick Vieira type, or yeah, kind of. Yeah. If you get if if you, if you show some skills and get past me, you're gonna you're gonna you, you're gonna regret it. <laughs> you, you, you'll get past, but you won't get the shot away. You, well, you might even get the shot away, but that'll be the only shot you get away. How privileged was it to play a part with sponsoring Margate with the Libertines? How did that come about? The, I think that came about because of um, Peter's manager Jai. I think he was the one that actually instigated that, and that was that's actually pretty cool. I mean, unfortunately, due to whatever circumstances that 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 were around at that, that particular point in time. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to go down there yet, but I've been in contact and been in, in conversation with the guys regarding how it was all set up and stuff. And it was actually pretty cool. It was actually, it was, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, you, we, you know, we'd think that there'd be a lot of like a, more of a business acumen regarding how it was actually set up. And then like, you know, the, the tenor of a period of time 
that that you know it would be set up for and it but it was basically set up for on on the basis of a like that's all it was set up for it was just set up on the basis of a like and 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 the fact that we were um in margate at that particular point in time trying to do something that was that is i should say very community orientated i mean we have the hotel and we have the studio down there as well and you know it is it it is a business venture but it is also kind of like a viable and part of the margate community and hopefully it is going to be one of the things that kind of like transcends the dynamic that actually is the perception what is margate right now margate has this perception of being very kind of um brexit um farage led <laughs> kind of like it's a very very kind of like um very um, poor but right wing led kind of like enclave and it's it's kind of not that at all it's very very community orientated and i think unfortunately it's been kind of like it's one of those one of those um places that's been kind of like left behind and derided by by society you know just like the likes of blackpool and scarborough and so forth that were kind of like bastions of british kind of like seaside and tourism culture but as soon as people's kind of like found i don't know magaluf <laughs> why the hell would you go to margate where in where in actuality you know it 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 is very kind of like it's a very poignant beautiful part of british culture and landscape that people should kind of like really try to in, in investigate more because it's not you know at the end of the day it's not just about catching as much sun as possible it is about kind of like investing yourself in what is british culture and the more you can actually invest yourself in the entirety of what is british culture then the more you have more of an understanding of everything that is around you shortage by the sea no <laughs> no, I thought that's what I was told. No, no, that is the biggest amount of bullshit that I've ever heard in my entire life. I used to live in in Dalston in Hackney, and I remember um, when I moved out of there to live in Highbury, and I remember being back in there to meet some mates, going out for a drink, and I walked past some walked past some kids who I and I heard them say that they were really, really happy and cool to be in D Town. Now this is where I got mugged in Dalston twice. I got um I remember coming back off tour with Dirty Pretty Things once and I literally got got up got into a vehicle from Heathrow Airport and went got um went home and I found there was a bunch of police cars around my house because I'd been away for so long the drug dealers were using my bins as a drop off point. And I came home, literally came home from tour, and there was a CID there, there was a Met there, there was everybody there. I thought I was fucked. I thought I was screwed. But luckily, they were just like, we, we know you've been, we know this ain't got nothing to do here. We know, we know the, whom, whom the corporates are. We're just kind of like here doing um, a follow up kind of nonsense. But that was the day that I came home. So, so for some cool, young, little hip university kids to call Dalston D Town which I just knew was just kind of like my ends that was just kind of like dodgy as fuck, was a little bit kind of like weird. But, you know, gentrification, baby. That's what happens. Considering the tabloid history of the Libertines, baby shambles, whatever, how the sun didn't pick up on that story, we'll never know. The sun didn't care about me right then because at that, that, that particular point in time, Peter was in going to court literally every other week. That's what I was getting at. I'm sure that I'm, I'm surprised the son didn't pin that one on Peter, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, there's, this is part of my um, problem that I have with the rock and roll industry, which I think the pop industry is kind of, albeit, don't get me wrong, there is some great pop music, but the industry itself has kind of got it right because regardless of whom you are within the industry, you will get applauded for your efforts and within the pop industry. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you've made an effort to improve or create something, the pop industry will, will applaud you. Rock and roll still looks at things from the likes of the lead singer, the lead artist. Anybody else, we don't really care about. I mean, I'm surprised when John Entwistle died that it made the press, even though it made the press for all the right reasons. 
one of the most underrated bass players in the in the history of music. You, you, can, you can try and be modest on that one, but I'm not going to allow you to. He, he was, he's literally good, isn't he? Are you kidding me? He was awesome. <laughs> John Entwistle. Which oh is what you're saying. Ba- bass players never get the credit, do they? No, they don't. No, they don't. Right. I'm going to bring on another Arsenal fan to sort of uh, double team me at the moment. 90minute.com's Harry Simeo. How are you doing, Harry? Hey, guys. How are you doing? How are you doing, Harry? You right? All good. Nice to meet you, Gary. Nice to meet you, Harry. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'll just come nice to uh, Gary first. Gary, what's your sort of uh, opinions on Arsenal and the way the, the club are faring at the moment? What's your opinions on Mikel Arteta? Um, I have no problems with him at this moment in time. I think what he's doing is trying to enforce an ideology. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these guys that is that that is kind of like... Um, What's, what, what's the phrase? Respect the process. I, I, I don't care about this respect the process phrase. That is, that's just like a soundbite as far as I'm concerned. But I do respect the fact that there has been an effort made to change what has been kind of like a, an historical approach to how we kind of play football and how we approach the the, the Arsenal foundation as it, as, as it is within its entirety. Um, we, you know, within the Arsene Wenger years, it worked amazingly, even when people were saying we weren't doing great, you know, but we were still finishing in the top four. He didn't have the money to buy any great players because he spent all of his money building the stadium and it firmed up the finances. We were in an extremely lucky place to be in and we were making the Champions League every year which meant we got that extra bonus of being in the champions league which was which 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 at that point in time if you're looking at it purely from a fiscal point of view was was kind of amazing it kept it kept us point it kept us going it kept us being one of the big six within the united kingdom in the premier league it was it was amazing and i think there's been i think because of the advent of social media i and everything that arsenal tv has done i think it has I think it has solid the kind of name to a to a to a degree. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that it that it's completely 100% negative. There is a massive love for Arsenal um, within that kind of framework, but unfortunately, I just I think it's it's kind of it's a, it's it it, it 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 spouts a certain amount of negativity that isn't actually needed. I mean, look how long it took Liverpool to make it back to where they were now. It took them at least ten years. To get back to where they are now, Manchester City even longer. We look at Manchester City now. We we, we say we want we want to be like Manchester City, but they were, excuse my terminology, shit for absolutely donkey's years. They were shit for longer than they've been great. They were symbols. They were. We are talking about the possibility of it being what four five years. That's absolutely nothing within the framework of re-establishing what is now the new trail of what will be Arsenal. Harry's just got serious. The glasses are on for uh, the, <laughs> the, the non-YouTube viewers here. What did you make to the uh, the lack of recruitment in the, in the window, Harry? I know, I know for myself being a Wolves fan, our window wasn't great. We let Adama Troy or I go to Barcelona for what on paper seems free for six months with an option to buy which it must be some sort of financial reasoning which they'll have to end up paying 30 million which is the option fee what was your opinions on Traore going to Barcelona and Arsenal's window Traore going to Barcelona surprised me um you know I thought he was headed for Spurs I'm glad he didn't go there because I think he's a player that's got plenty to offer yeah (laughs) I think he's he's one of those players that he, he just makes things happen and um, I know there's question marks over his end product, and we hear that a lot. You know, when he gets into the positions, does he deliver the right, the, the right type of cross? Does he pick out his man? I get all of that, but I think that he's somebody that's got such incredible physical attributes that he's really difficult to deal with, whoever he comes up against. So for him going to Barcelona, I was surprised. I watched him play for Barcelona at the weekend against Atletico Madrid, and he had an instant impact. So. Uh, yeah, happy for him to do well, considering he's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in terms of um, in terms of Arsenal's window, I've got mixed feelings on this, uh, Dan, because initially, you know, when the window slammed shut, I was sitting there thinking, well, this is really frustrating. You know, Arsenal have 
had an opportunity here to add to the squad, improve the squad, and potentially enhance our chances of finishing in the top four. But then when I think about it with a kind of calmer mindset and I look at what is the bigger picture at Arsenal, which I think is clearly a rebuild, it's a strip back of a, a really overloaded squad of players yeah. who weren't good enough, who cost a lot of money, who were on big wages, which is largely why we couldn't get rid of them for so long yeah. because nobody would take on those contracts. I think this is what needed to happen. And I'm actually glad that we didn't go and, and, and blow a crazy amount of money on somebody that we weren't totally sure on because yeah. that exact approach is why we are where we are now. And yeah. it's why we dropped out of the top six because we spent vast amounts of money on people that just weren't good enough. And look, Arsenal tried. They tried to sign Dusan Vlavic. He was the man that they wanted. They couldn't make it happen. He had his heart set on Juventus. Then the opportunity came along to have talks with Real Sociedad about Alexander Isak. And there was a release clause, £75 million. But Arsenal didn't feel he was worth that. And I'm glad Arsenal stood their ground and didn't throw an extra 25-odd million at somebody just because the fans wanted to sign in. So I think that there is a plan. There is a process. I know people hate that term, but there is a process. And for me, I think what we saw in this window is Arsenal not panic and abandon the process, but instead stick to the original plan and and, and hope that we can cope for the remainder of the season. It's a bit of a gamble, yeah, but I think it's a calculated gamble. And I think if we can have a big window again in the summer, We'll we'll look back on this window and say it was probably the right, right thing. Can I interject really quickly? Go quickly because I love that. That was awesome. That was, that was, that was those were wise words. One quick question, Harry. Go ahead, um, what do you think about the prospect of um, Pepe being a false nine? I think it's it's something that I wouldn't mind seeing. I think that Nicolas Pepe's you know really good in front of goal. I think when he gets around the penalty area, his his unpredictability and the fact that he can cut in on that left foot of his um, and produce wonderful finishes is obviously great. And it's something I'd like to see. My only issue um, with that is I think in Mikel Arteta's team and in his system that he has a very specific role for the number nine. And I think that that role requires discipline. I think that's why Lacazette plays it better than Aubameyang because he drops into those deeper positions and he creates space for others. Nicolas Pepe, for me, in my view, to get the best out of him, he needs to have freedom. And I don't know if he'll get the structural freedom that he needs playing in that centre-forward role. So that's the thing that puts me off it. That, I agree with that. And the fact that he doesn't have a right foot, but me. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing in someone now, former Wolves, Arsenal, and unfortunately for you two guys, former Tottenham playmaker, all-round good guy, Rowan Ricketts. What was your sort of opinions on what you just heard there, Nicholas Pepe as a force nine, and what was your thoughts on the whole Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang situation in this in January? So for me, uh, uh, um, good e- good afternoon. No, it's good evening. Good afternoon from over here. Good evening, <laughs> good you evening guys. Hey, 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 mate. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, over here is uh, what are we at now? Two fifty in the afternoon in Toronto. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Oh, whereabouts? My my brother lives in Toronto. Well, he lives in um, Scarborough. Oh yeah, I am about. I'm in Mississauga. Oh, my aunt and uncle used to live in Mississauga. We used to live in Malton. Yeah, yeah, I'm about probably 20, 15 minutes from there. Tonight. Yeah, all right, cool. I know it, I know it well. <laughs> How many times have you been over here? Um, no, I haven't, I haven't been back since about 91, 92, because my aunt and uncle, they moved to Atlanta. Okay, cool. So um, for me, um, going on first about the, the uh, Bangingham situation, that was a big surprise for me to see him go for free. That was horrendous for me, business by Arsenal. Um, a player of that magnitude, someone that they was paying. And what was he on, 300, 350? Yeah, he's on 350. But in saying that, they are saving 25 million a year in in, in salary. I think yeah. it was purely just to avoid another Ozil situation, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is good. But surely they were seeing this coming a long time ago and they could have got yeah. something for him. Um, but yeah. But that happens. But so, and then the other thing you was talking about, which was Pepe. So for me, Pepe, good football player. And the way that Arteta sets his team up, if he can give them the right direction and give someone like Pepe that freedom, I think he could definitely be effective in that role. You know, he's got the ability in a one v one. He draws people in. I think he can see a pass. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it would be a bad little uh, option for the false nine. I'm just going to drag it back, guys, because obviously Wolves, in my opinion, are a bigger club than than your sides, <laughs> North London Red, North London Red, or I can't remember what they, what they were called on Pro Evolution. Dan, you've been Dan, you've been drinking on the job, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, me, and Gary, I'm on the on the on, Gary's on the whiskey. I'm on the liqueur tonight, Harry. It's, it's Tuesday night. Tuesday night's Thursday night. Yeah, Tuesday night's a new new Thursday. <laughs> right, uh, Thursday night on BT Sports is Wolves versus Arsenal Premier League head to head. We've played each other fourteen times. Wolves have won three, uh, winning the last two consecutively. Uh, which was the first time we did uh, the league double R Arsenal since 1978-79. I don't think me, you, me, you, and uh, Rowan were actually born. And Harry, Gary was just a little pup, I think. <laughs> What's your sort of thoughts on that predicted Wolves lineup? There is there anyone that sort of gives you concern, uh, Harry? Uh, yeah, there's a few players there. I, I like uh, Daniel Pedence. I'm a massive fan of his. Um, so obviously, I'm from a Greek background, so I saw a lot of him at Olympiakos, um, and I also saw a lot of Jose Sarr as well. Uh, so they're players that I'm not surprised they've come to the Premier League and, and had an impact. The midfield is really strong. Uh, Neves and Moutinho, I think they've proven that they can do the physical side of the game and cope with the pace of the Premier League, but also have incredible technical ability. Um, Jimenez is obviously a threat as well. I'm, I like Semedo at times. At times, I've not been overly impressed. I think Aitnuri's coming on well. So I think that's a really, really good side. And I've been massively impressed with Wolves this season, by the way. I think uh, we've taken a lot of uh, people by surprise this season. A lot of our, a lot of our own fan base, to a degree, uh, losing Nuno in the summer. I think we had, uh, when you were on last time, Rowan, I think we were a bit concerned about how Wolves were going to fare this season with... Um, the, the managerial change, the sort of culture change after Nuno had left. Wolves got Ralph Jimenez back. What are your thoughts on the way that Wolves have played this season? I thought they've um, played very well. And um, I think that the club has probably learned, uh, and not a lot of clubs do this because they usually jump from manager to manager. But I think that the club have learned and, and seen that the, the, the blocks that the previous manager left stuff that they should build upon as opposed to just keep changing it. They've spent a lot of money on players over the last few years to maintain their position in the Premier League. And I think they found the right guy that can come in and follow what um, the previous coach has done. And, and they're doing really, really well. Um, it's nice to see them sitting in a, in a good, healthy position. Um, like People need to be honest and say, like, Wolves, as much as they've done well over the last two, three seasons... If Wolves, I think, finished, you know, if they stay in the Premier League, I think when you look at the last 15 years, that's seen as successful. So to see them sit in, I think, what are they in, like, 7th, 8th? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's um, really good. And But a lot, still a long way to go, you know? There is still a long way to go. Um, without sort of putting the fear into Harry, do you, do, you see us, do you see us as a rival for that top four place or not? Um, I don't mean this. Who's across... is that top four place at the moment for you, Harry? Because I, I don't me, think there's anyone really trying to put a marker down on that fourth place. Yeah, I think okay. it's I think it's quite open, but I think the 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 favourites for me are still Manchester United. I still think that they've got the quality in the squad, and I know they've not been great under Ralph Ranić, but I think there are signs that their performances are starting to get a little bit better. We saw them against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup the other night. And they were beaten, but it was a game that they really dominated. It was a game they had the chances to win. And I thought, that, I don't want to say this as an Arsenal fan, but I thought they were robbed in the goal that they conceded as well. So I feel like Man United will, will get there. Tottenham obviously have the Conte factor as well, which has improved them dramatically. Yeah. Um, so I think it's quite open, but I don't think Wolves are, are in there for the top four. And, and that's not meant disrespectfully I think that for Wolves to finish in the top six top seven top eight would still be a really great season um and we shouldn't lose sight of that but I just think it's it's any one of Spurs Man United and Arsenal I still make United the favourites though what's your opinions on that that fourth place Gary I just want to make a quick comment I think Man United as, as a club are finished because even the refs have turned against them now after that handball <laughs> against Middlesbrough who's finishing fourth for you this season Gary Unfortunately, I think it's Tottenham. Unfortunately, I, I I think it's Tottenham. I think we, if we're lucky, we'll finish. We'll come in in sixth, but I I think it it's it's Tottenham, and I think a lot of that is is as you mentioned beforehand. It it is a Conte kind of like um, factor 
that he's been there before and he really he, he understands the Premier League. I think the finances at Tottenham are a little bit more assured than they are at at Arsenal, obviously because they've actually had, albeit a mediocre transfer window, but they've had a transfer window, whereas, whereas with us, we haven't actually had any. For, so for us, it's more of a, a case of two steps forward and one step back. And that one step back, I think it just might be just a little bit too much for us to get into the top four. But regarding that, the, for me, it's not it's not about whether we make it into the top four right now. It's about whether we actually get ourselves into a position of actually getting that consistency so that when we move forward, we are where we're supposed to be. And I don't think we're there just yet. I think we, we I think we need to do just a little bit more in the transfer window. I think we, we I think we, there needs to be a little bit more kind of like patience regarding everybody and regarding everybody and what the manager is actually trying to accomplish. And I think once that happens, it'll be fine. I mean, we have to remember that um, I, I bring back um, the, the 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 Pep Guardiola thing. There was a few years ago when Pep Guardiola finished third and made it into the into into the Champions League and people were talking about the fact that if he doesn't do any better he's going to be gone from Manchester City it took him a good a good few years a good two or three years for him to actually make his mark within the Premier League Alex Ferguson was even longer and then he was able to create a dynasty we just need to kind of like hold back on this whole ideology of 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 getting what we want as soon as we can have it. It, they, it, good things come to those who wait, and if you work for it, you can you can have whatever the heck you want. We just need to be able make make sure that everybody's on the same page, basically. Are you envisaging a dynasty under Mikel Arteta, Rowan? Say that again, mate. Are you envisaging a, a dynasty under Mikel Arteta for Arsenal? Um, n- yes and no. I I, I think. But for that fourth spot, do you think Spurs are going to have it? I, I think it's a coin toss between Arsenal and Spurs. I think Conte does have an impact um, on what's going to happen in the, the running. But I still feel that Arsenal um, now, without... Like, people sometimes forget, when, when a big player like Abangahan leaves, that also gives players in there the, the, the feeling of, of belonging more or, or being the man. So I think yeah. we're going to see players now step up, could be the likes of Pepe, um, Lacazette there, and step up and really come to the front of things. And I think it'll be between Arsenal and Spurs for that, that fourth spot. Looking at Arsenal squad um, in regards to the fixture on Thursday, how are you uh, seeing that AC and Arsenal lineup, Harry, in regards to... Coming up against Wolves away at Molyneux under the lights, you haven't got you've got similar depth to Wolves really. You've got a good sort of starting eleven, but the depth after that isn't great, is it? No, it's not, and and obviously that's one of the big concerns for Arsenal at the moment. I think it'll be Ramsdale in goal. I'm expecting it to be Tierney, Gabriel, uh, and White. The the big question mark in this Arsenal side is who plays at right back. Doesn't look like Tommy Asu's going to be available. He's not been involved in any of the training footage or or images that we've seen over the last few days and weeks. So I think he's a big doubt. The question is, does Mikel Arteta bring Rob Holding into the heart of the defence and move Ben White out to right back? Or does he just bring Cedric in? If I had to guess, I think he's going to put Cedric in at right back. I think it will be Xhaka and Partey in the midfield with Odegaard just in front of them. And then I think the front three at the moment has to stay the way it is. There's an argument that Emil Smith-Rowe deserves to come back into the side. Uh, Obviously, he's our top scorer this season. So there's a big uh, kind of case for him to come in. But... I don't think you can drop Martinelli. I don't think you can drop Saka. And I just think Lacazette in his skill set is unique to everything else we have up top. So I think he plays as well. What's your opinions going into the game on on Thursday, Rowan? Obviously, it's like I mentioned, it's quite a big game in the top half chasing those European places. How, how do you see it actually going from a tactical point of view? Um, I think Wolves are going to try to stamp their foot on the game in terms of possession. They're playing at home. They know that Arsenal is a team that... They, they they are best now when they're in possession. So if they can keep the ball away from Arsenal, um, so it won't allow Arsenal to build a bit of a rhythm, but also press them very high when they have it. If Wolves can do that, 
at home. I think they've got a really good chance of winning the game, but it's 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 that that patience to keep the ball away from them because when you're when you're playing when a team that likes to keep the ball plays against another team that likes to keep the ball, it's a real battle. It's a fine line of patience when they're going to pro, when they're going to go. And if they can find that balance and, and maintain position, that will frustrate Arsenal. We're not used to playing without the ball unless they're playing against um, the big boys like City and, and Liverpool and Chelsea. So that's what they're going to have to do to win the game. But Arsenal, on the other end, they've got to go in. When you're going in someone else's house, you go into their backyard, you've got to go in there immediately and ruffle feathers. Immediately. So it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I think having people like Partey in midfield, um, Zaka there, maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they went with maybe Nenny because it's going to be important to win that midfield battle to maintain possession. So it's not going to be an easy, easy game for, for Arsenal. Any sort of feelings from, from you, Gary, into this game? Obviously, I've just mentioned chasing those European places, Arsenal away from home. I can, I, you know, I completely agree with Rowan regarding his um his his perspective uh, on on what the game will be. I think, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Arsenal because, as as mentioned beforehand, um, if we don't maintain a great deal of possession, especially with some of the, especially with teams that aren't like your Man Cities, your Man United, your Liverpools, um, we kind of like it's almost as if we lose interest in the game, which is which is kind of which is kind of weird, and I and I think that. Like under the tutelage that Wolverhampton of uh, the the Wolves have had, I think they're gonna. It's gonna be a heavy kind of like um, percentage of them trying to maintain possess, possession of the ball. So then for us, it's gonna be a little bit more of do we kind of like do we stick to the plan that that Arteta will have in front of us? I mean, I'm I'm hoping that Tamiyasu will will actually play. I'm 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 hoping they will do. I think he just he just helps firm up the back a little bit more. Than the likes of um, Cedric Suarez um, would do, um, but I can actually envisage Suarez playing as opposed to Tamiyasu because he's been out for out for too long. Um, I'm actually heartbroken that Adama Traore has gone to up to Barcelona because Adama coming up against Cedric Suarez would have just been yeah, it would have been yeah. I mean, I, I think I could give Cedric Suarez a, a run for his money now. I think we're <laughs> both coming towards the end of our careers. <laughs> Game week 24 in the Premier League has uh, started. Obviously, um, Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, Watford, Burnley, Man United have all kicked off. Any sort of fixtures that stand out for you there, Rowan, we should be looking at apart from Wolves and Arsenal? In terms of entertainment or...? Anything you tell me and um, we'll see if we agree. So, I don't care if you don't agree, first thing. (laughs) 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 Remove... So Man City, Brentford, um, the um, good game to watch. Just in terms, of obviously, entertainment. I think Brentford's going to go there. They may, they may be a bit fearless. Um, Villa at home to Leeds, entertaining Stevie G and one of my mentors, Michael Bill, putting their um, footprint onto that that squad. So going up against a team who play very, um, they have a very unique style. Leeds, right? It's kind of like hit or miss style, but. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Obviously, Liverpool, Liverpool, Leicester, Brendan Rodgers going back to his old stomping ground to Anfield. So that'll be a good game to watch. Um, they're still missing. I think they're gonna still be missing Salah and Mane will be missing still, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also an interesting game to watch just because they lost the other day would be the Burnley game and the Man United game. Um, it's not easy for, for anyone after losing the game, but for the likes of Manchester United, they're going to have huge pressure um, to go there and, and, and win the game. So, so going there and, and drawing that game, I don't think it's an option. And there'll be a lot of pressure on the manager after such a, a, a bad result the other day against Borough. If you were going to have a friendly bet on Wednesdays and Thursdays fixtures, Harry, pick three teams that are going to get a win. Uh, I'm going to go Man City as one, Tottenham two, and uh, I fancy Aston Villa um, at home to Leeds. I think Leeds will go there and try and play them, and and that could be a problem. They leave themselves exposed. What's your actual score prediction for our game on Thursday, Harry? 
Uh, score prediction. I'm going to go with a 1-0 to the Arsenal. Come on, you Gunners. 1-0 to the Arsenal. What was that, Roman? Old school. Old school is it 1-0 to the Arsenal. A real old school shirt. That's it. <laughs> what about you, Roman? What's your score prediction for Wolves-Arsenal? Wolves-Arsenal. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. Gary? 2-0 to the Arsenal. 2-0 to the Arsenal. I'm going to go with a classic 2022-23 season, 1-0 to the Wolves. Clean sheet. <laughs> Jose saw Max Kilman shoring everything up at the back. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be doing a podcast on Friday night with a, a podcast to uh, review the win. Gary, you guys are going out on tour. I say you guys, you mean, you mean more bands than... Uh, nurses at, in the NHS. <laughs> Dirty Pretty Things, Libertines, you're on tour March, April, May, the rest of the year. There's still uh, tickets out there. I'm keen on going to the uh, the ballroom for Dirty Pretty Things and Libertines are at Manchester, Cardiff, Hatfield and Edinburgh later on in the year. Looking forward to that. Any new music due out anytime soon? Well, before you save it, I, I might have to kind of like, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm, I'm actually allowed to save this, but the, um, the um, March 24th gig has been double booked because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in South America. Where about? Where about? I'm going to be. I'm going to be in Colombia, in Bogota. That's, wow, that's where my wife's from, Colombia. Oh wow! <laughs> what are you going to be doing over there? I've got a gig. I've got a. Yeah, I've got a gig in, in Bogota, and yeah. This is like a "This Is Your Life" episode with these two in it, Harry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're they're too famous for us, Dan. Man, what do you mean, guys? <laughs> yeah. So um, so um, I'm not, I'm I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not actually have should have said anything, but hey, what the hell? What are Fantastic they going to do? Exclusive, dirty, pretty things. Let's <laughs> <laughs> any any new music. Yeah, we're yeah we're working on it. Um, right now we've just uh, like our booking agents have just booked so many shows. It's like when are we actually going to be able to get into the studio to record it all? So I'm um, I think for the majority, um, we I go back out on the road with the boys um, in a couple of weeks' time, and I'm just going to take a a bunch of my own recording gear and just record as much as we can do on the road, and we'll just see how just see what we can do. What's the last review, Rowan and the Rowan Ricketts Academy? Uh, um, so I've been working on a high performance program at the moment, which is going to launch in September. Um, so it's a program where children will come to me at the facility 8.30 in the morning. Uh, we'll do a bit of meditation and then we'll go on the pitch and work on some stuff like a lot of individual stuff. Then we'll bring them together and do some collective stuff. Um, so it's that half day, so 12 p.m. they've got to go to school. Then they've got three and a half hours of school. So it's a, it's, a, it's a new project for myself, something I'm very excited about. I've had a great response from the parents and the children. And I, can't, I can't wait to get going. And then the other thing I'm doing at the moment, and some players are leaving this week. So I've, I'm doing some um, exposure camps in England. So I've got children from here, elite children from here, flying over to England, and they're, they're going to be training with academy coaches in England and academy players. So it's going to allow them to kind of be seen by coaches, but it's not a trial, um, but it's going to allow them to be seen by certain coaches, be assessed by them while playing against other signed players in England. And the people that are going over, actually, um, they're actually going to go and watch the Wolves-Spurs game, Spurs-Wolves game. So so, so they're going to get a chance to go and watch um, the two clubs where their coach played. So that they're, they're flying in three days. What a privilege for those kids, Rowan, seeing the likes of Jao Martinho, Ruben Neves, and that Harry Kane, it was a bit all right for Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Chronicles of Aguna, Athletic Greens, tell us all about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chronicles of Aguna podcast available on all major podcasters and, of course, on YouTube, uh, part of the 90 Min Network, just like yourselves. Uh, so doing lots of great work, lots of great content. Uh, keeping it ticking over and obviously trying to keep up with the drama that is Arsenal, which is pretty much takes up all our time, I guess. Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned just before you came on, Ari, that the, the one of the biggest problems in football nowadays is YouTubers and people on Twitter who think they're now football. I agree. We'll, we'll be back <laughs> after the uh, Wolves-Arsenal game this week with a podcast to review, hopefully a Wolves win. 
playing us out this week on the show is Wolverhampton-based band Rosa Callum with Kill the King. We'll see you soon. Thanks for coming on, guys. Take care. Take care, pal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.